Hello, hello, hello. I don't know why I said hello so weirdly there. I've got to be honest. I think I panicked. I panicked and I got stuck on a weird hello. But hi, hi guys. Welcome back to another episode of Life Actually with me, Rebecca. Life Actually Book Club actually it is today. And it is the very final part of The Mountain Is You. We are on to chapter seven, from self-sabotage to self-mastery. This chapter was very much, I think, like a bit of a roundup of all the key points from previous chapters throughout the book. So I'm going to go through it and then I'm going to give uh, just my thoughts and like a brief overview of what I kind of thought of the book. I've really enjoyed it, to be honest, so far. Um, Well, so far I finished it. So I did really enjoy it. I actually finished it about an hour and a half ago, just before I recorded part nine. I think this is part ten. I think this is part 10. So just before I recorded the last episode about chapter six, I finished the book entirely and I did. I really enjoyed it. And I actually, I've been using snippets of it like in my life. So not only showing up as my best self, which we discussed in chapter six, but like also logical lapses which we discussed kind of I think it was in like chapter five or chapter four like I've been asking myself and actually challenging myself when I think I'm having like a logical lapse or when I've identified it in other people's behavior as well whenever they're talking to me like whatever it's about I've had a few emotional conversations recently and it's like this it sounds like there's a bit of a logical lapse here it sounds like this person needs to actually think this through rather than just jump into their own conclusions and I've really enjoyed it like I feel like a lot of the advice is not even advice but like a lot of the top um, topics yeah I guess points are quite easy to implement into your life and it's tricky to have a look at your own behavior and be like ah fuck like I actually am self-sabotaging and have self-sabotaged myself but also it's really empowering to be able to be like, okay, I really could have handled that differently a lot better. So I'm going to do that moving forward. Obviously it's a process. You're not just going to finish this book and all of a sudden your self-sabotage is completely gone and you are a self-master every moment of your life. But I like books that make me feel like I'm actually implementing what I've learned throughout the book. And that's what this book has been for me so far. So without further ado, and for the very last time, let's get stuck into The Mountain It's You. From self-sabotage to self-mastery. Moving from self-sabotage to self-mastery sounds like an extraordinary transformation when in reality it is the natural course of coming to understand that you were responsible for holding your life back and so you are also capable of moving it forward. We then go on to talk about controlling your emotions versus suppressing them. Now, to be honest, I didn't actually highlight too much within this section, but I will say this. Controlling the mind is actually a matter of surrendering to the mind, allowing it to behave as it pleases while regulating their reaction to it. Emotions are temporary, but behaviours are permanent. You're always responsible for how you choose to act. I really like that because you can't really control how you feel to a certain extent, right? Or like the emotions that you feel, you can't really control them. If you feel really heated in a moment, like if you heated okay I was thinking like anger heated but then I was thinking of like I don't know office Christmas parties office of our heated in the moment right if you I don't even know why I said office right but like <laughs> if you are in the moment with somebody and you're getting kind of hot and heavy but you're in a healthy relationship and you are like at the office Christmas party maybe it's because I watched the holiday so much over Christmas and like 
you are like, oh my God, like I really like this guy. Like I know he really likes me. We've got all this tension. But like you have this really wonderful girlfriend at home or really wonderful boyfriend at home. Like you are not necessarily in control of the emotion that you're feeling. Like maybe you're feeling a little bit of sexual tension, right? I mean, you're in control of the actions that led to that, but you're not necessarily in control of that emotion that you're feeling in the moment. But you are responsible for how you act and you are you are responsible for how you react to that because you can turn away. You can choose to turn away. You cannot necessarily choose to feel a certain way about somebody, but you can choose how you act and the situations that you put yourself in to cope with that and to deal with that situation. Repeat it again, emotions are temporary, but behaviours are permanent. You're always responsible for how you choose to act. We often think the measure of physical strength is how much of the weight we can bear, how long we can run, or how pronounced our muscles are. In reality, physical strength is a measure of how efficiently the body runs itself, how capable it is of effectively performing day-to-day tasks. Mental health is the same way. It's not a measure of how happy we seem, how perfect things are, or how unconditionally positive we can be but that we are able to move through day-to-day life and the occasional challenge with enough fluidity and reason that we aren't stifled or held back by ourselves. Learning to trust yourself again. Albert Camus once said, in the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. Now, I studied Albert Camus at school at A-level French, and I think he wrote, was it The Outsider, L'Etranger? So, I've seen this quote floating about because I definitely pinned it whenever I was like 17 and Pinterest or Tumblr or whatever it was at the time thinking I was like, oh, I'm so well educated, but I really like it. In the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. That sums up the entirety of what inner peace really is. The understanding that no matter what is happening around you, there's a place of total knowing and calmness within you. It's not so much something you have to create as it is something you have to return to. The whole kind of next section is about how you don't force inner peace. You go back to it. You return to it because it exists. It's always within us. Inner peace is kind of like our natural state. And so like water, you don't have to force it to be still. It does it like you, it does it on its own when you stop interrupting it. That's what it says here. So you don't have to create it. It's just something that you can actually return to. Creating aligned goals. One of the most important parts of discovering your inner peace is that you trade in your desire for happiness. Unfortunately, happiness is fickle. The reality is that inner peace is the true happiness and everything else is just a fake means of trying to convince yourself that you're okay. I thought about this a lot, actually. Happiness is fickle and I love happiness and I love joy and I would love to find, like, to be joyous every single day. But My natural state and everybody's natural state is just to be at peace. It's just to be calm. It's not to have anxiety. It's not to have worries. It's to be at peace so that we can experience those moments of joy and those moments of happiness. Because if we're constantly, 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 like saying we're happy then or convincing yourself like you're doing really great and you're loving life all the time then it takes away from the moments that we actually really do feel true joy. So peace, being at peace with ourselves and at peace with our lives and enjoying and feeling grateful and loving our life is our natural state. Think about it this way. What do you typically imagine will bring you happiness? Money, a relationship, a promotion? What happens when you achieve those things? Consistently throughout all of humankind, the answer is the same. You return to your baseline. This is because this kind of happiness is not real. It is not, or it is only being completely at peace with 
whenever you're in any given day that you will find a genuine sense of wonder, presence and joy. So I said in the last episode that my boyfriend Massey and I were literally talking about this last night because we have got our lovely flat now, we've got each other, we're in a really good place but it's kind of like we have checked like all those boxes and we've been working towards this for the last couple of months and now we've got it all. It's a bit like okay what do we do now? So the way we get from here to where we want to go is one part acting as the people who already have what we want and the other part appreciating the journey and appreciating where we are and appreciating the fact that we have are in our lovely little flat and I, I appreciate the fact that I'm in the room recording this podcast episode and he's in the kitchen making dinner and like I do not take that for granted and if there are times when I do I really need to like check myself and not take that for granted because that is such a beautiful thing the fact that we have a relationship that balances our priorities and balances what matters to us and the fact that we appreciate each other and support each other that way like I really feel so grateful for that and that is like something that wasn't necessarily on my list on my vision board but like it's happened and I'm really grateful for that and that brings me a lot of peace knowing that I'm in a relationship with a man who like well one loves to cook in general but was like I also love to cook and we like split the cooking between us even if he's not necessarily really in the mood to cook tonight he knows that this is a priority for me so he's cooking so I can record this and it's those moments right like I'm it's it's the moments like this that really make life worth living and make you realize that okay we're in this really lovely flat but even if we were in a shithole or in like the shared house that we used to be in then it would still be really special that we have this and like yeah I don't know maybe I'm just feeling sloppy because I feel really grateful today and also I got my nails done and had some M&S cookies so I'm like really vibing with myself tonight but I feel like life truly is just about these little moments and it does bring me so much peace knowing that I have created like a life like this it's not all the time obviously but like you know it it matters all these moments matter finding your own peace finding inner peace isn't always so much about just sitting in the lotus position until wisdom becomes you it's about making the uncomfortable decision to stay with your discomfort and to choose differently A really amazing way to find your inner peace is to constantly remind yourself that your worries are fabrication of your mind's need to identify potential threats for for survival and true happiness is being here in the moment. I actually really truly get behind this like something that I started doing years ago I think it was whenever I was doing my A-levels or more probably at university where I would lie awake In fact, no, I'll tell you when it was. When I was on my placement year and I was living in Bicester and I was doing my internship at Renault, right? I would like lie awake some nights and like be really worried. And I had no reason to be because I didn't have any deadlines for the first time in my life. I had not much money, to be honest, but like I had a little bit of money and I knew because thank God, like if I really needed some more I would be able to ask my parents and they would see what they could do and I'm obviously really grateful for that um I was literally getting paid absolute pennies so really needed it but um I knew that so I if I wasn't like when was this yeah like I wasn't at 23 yeah 23 like I didn't what have any boy worries I didn't have any money worries like debt or anything like that like it was just my mind would 
wonder some nights. And I remember sitting in bed and being like, this is the first time in my entire life I actually don't have anything to worry about. And my mind is still finding things to worry about. So whenever I did have a fear and I would like that would wake me up at night or that I would think about before I went to bed, I would just dissect it and I would dissect why I felt that way and where I thought that was coming from. And then I would like disprove it in my head and I would do all that whilst I was lying there. So let's say like, oh my God, I'm so anxious. I'm going to feel uni. And I'd be like, well, actually, I don't really need to think about this until next year, because the only thing I need to do to pass this year is complete my placement that I'm enjoying and I'm doing a good job and I really love the connections that I'm making and I'm getting paid and blah, blah, blah. And I would like disprove everything and it helped me so much and it's a tactic and that I still do now. Like if there's anything on my mind that I wake up worrying about, I still go through that. Detaching from worrying. In the same way, it's easy to become addicted to substances or behaviours that allow us to avoid the present moment. Worrying is chief among the coping mechanisms people use to distract themselves from what really matters. You have to remember that among all the things to know about the monkey mind, your head wants to constantly seek out situations and experiences that will affirm itself. If you believe something will be good, it will be. It might not look exactly how you imagined, but the outcome will be exactly what you expect. So this idea of your head wants to constantly seek out situations and experiences that will affirm itself, kind of confirmation bias. Try and make those things that you're seeking out positive. Try and make them in your favor. I spoke about this a lot in previous episodes, so I'm not going to touch too much on it now. But honestly, dig out the things that you want to focus on and then train yourself to focus on them rather than on the negative things and affirm the positive, have a positive confirmation bias. Remembering that your feelings are not always facts. The feeling of peace is the one telling you the truth. Your feelings aren't here to tell you what's going to happen. They're only here to inform you of where you are energetically and mentally and how you should respond to what happens around you. Fear is trying to scare you into staying small and keeping safe. Becoming mentally strong. Get a plan because plans fix problems. Worrying disconnects you from the moment. When you're consistently sidelined from your own anxiety, it's because you don't have a plan regarding the thing that makes you scared. If you don't have a plan, you're going to keep having a problem. Humble yourself because it's not all about you. It seems like everyone is thinking about you, judging you, evaluating you and determining your status in life. They aren't. Honestly, this is so freeing. Like this is a realization that I had maybe early this year, last year, like people just don't care and we've talked about it in this book before but like people just don't care and if they do then they need a good life it's not a reflection on you how much do you really care about other people like it is so freeing it is honestly so freeing to just do what you want look after yourself and go after your dreams without worrying about what other people are thinking about you because they're not going to remember like they're not going to be the ones in 50 years time who are looking back in their lives being like, oh, fuck, I didn't go to the beach in a bikini that day because I thought that Matthew, Mark, Luke and John were going to make fun of me. Like, is that what you want to be doing whenever you're 70, looking back, thinking that? Like, come on, you want to know that you had a good time at the beach, having fun, lying there, soaking up the sun, playing frolic in the water. Frolic, frolic, frolic in your bikini. Do not let whoever it is talk you out of it in your head because the truth is they probably don't even fucking care and if they do then they're a loser and you don't want to associate with losers ask for help because you're not supposed to know everything you're not supposed to know everything that is also incredibly incredibly freeing know what you don't know and stop false dichotomous thinking 
dichotomous. The main reason that people sustain anxiety is due to long-term thinking in either ors, otherwise known as false dichotomies. If I lose my job, I'm a failure. False. If this relationship ends, I'll never find love again. False. If this scary thing happens, I won't be able to go on. False. Anxiety is caused by logic lapses where there's a breach in your reasoning skills. Ultimately, you start thinking in dichotomies which are not only infective, ineffective, but also spooky so much that you are rendered incapable of actually handling your life. Stop trying to be psychic because this is a cognitive distortion. Given that our most fundamental human is fear is of the unknown, it makes sense that we go through mental gymnastics to try to predict certain outcomes in our life. Honestly, worrying just takes away from the present moment. It's not worth it. Take responsibility for your outcomes. Yes, all of them. In the grand scheme of your life, the outcomes that really matter are the ones that are almost completely within your control. It's easier and less scary to pretend as though you're simply a cog in the wheel, but you're not. If you put your energy into leaning toward who you want to be, being productive, taking care of your health and wellness, improving your relationships and self-awareness, then you're just going to live a better life, to be honest. And I think taking responsibility of our outcomes and taking responsibility of our actions is huge and something that it's very easy to avoid, but I mean, I'm 27. I've probably only started taking responsibility for all of my actions and outcomes relatively recently within the past few years. And I bet you're the same. So have a conversation with yourself. Have a look at what you're responsible for in your life now and how you've reacted and how you want to react to certain things in the future. Your life will change. Learn how to feel better by processing complex emotions. Forget what happened and focus on how you will make it right. Talk it out because things are often more complicated in your head. I actually think this is a great, great, great thing. I talk to myself constantly when I used to have a car. Before I moved to London, I would have full-on conversations with myself in the car on a very regular basis. And it was like therapy. And I just really, really, really encourage it. Take triggers as signals because your wounds need your attention. Honor your discomfort because it's trying to tell you something. The greatest gift that life will hand you is discomfort. I love that. Discomfort is not trying to punish you, it's trying to show you where you're capable of more, deserving of better, able to change, or meant for far greater things. The greatest gift that life will hand you is discomfort. It can begin, if you can begin to see your life as a feedback mechanism that is reflecting who you are with the ultimate goal to help you live better and more fully, all of a sudden you realise that it was never the world standing in your way, but your own mind. How to truly enjoy your life. Stop trying to be happy. Happiness is not something you can chase. It's something you have to allow. Arrive into the present. There's a saying that if you're anxious, it's because you're living in the future. And if you're depressed, it's because you're living in the past. The only place to find happiness is in the present because that's the only place it truly exists. Practice arriving into today by focusing on taking one day at a time and doing the most with what you have in front of you currently. There's a fine balance between living for the moment and taking care of your future self. Stop trying to assert dominance. You find a lot more happiness by not trying to prove yourself. Definitely learned that as I got older. Lean into the little joys when you find them. Nurture positive relationships when you have them. Being lonely is as much of a risk to your health as smoking. Happiness is not contingent upon you forcing relationships you don't want to be in. Being lonely is as much of a risk to your health as smoking. It's actually kind of shocking, but I would 100% believe him. There's so much research and information and studies that show that community is like the most important thing so if you find a relationship that you're vibing with pour not all your energy into it but give it energy and build it learn something new as often as you can 
When you approach life as though you already know all there is to know, you're actually closing yourself off to potentially new and better experiences. Think of life as something you can constantly learn from. Everything can be your teacher, and the more you allow your life experiences to shift and change you, the better you and they will become. Again, completely agree with that. And it's so fun not feeling like you need to know everything and not feeling like you have to do everything by yourself. Like, it's fun being a beginner. It's fun learning. Honestly, like, it's just, it makes you feel like a kid in the best possible way. See challenging times as opportunities for transformation. Be aware of what you give your energy to. Schedule time to do nothing. To feel fulfilled each day is absolutely a conscious choice. It isn't going to happen by accident, FYI. The irony of feeling good is that it's not something you can force. It's something you have to allow. Much like happiness, sometimes you just have to surrender to your feelings so that you can move through them and feel good. And sometimes you have to actually schedule time to play and schedule time to do nothing and just enjoy life for what it is. Enjoying life is living it out in both the simplest and most transformative ways possible. Part of that is simply letting yourself show up and be how you are. Becoming a master of yourself. Mastery is to realise that we are equipped with the exact traits we need to overcome the mountains before us. And in fact, doing so is the ultimate calling of our lives. We are not only capable, we are destined. Your life is just beginning. In fact, my favourite thing from the last couple of pages is enjoying life is both is living it out in both the simplest and most transformative way possible. Part of that is simply letting yourself show up and be who and how you are. And that's it, folks. That's the end of chapter seven, The Mountain Is You. I really love that. Be who and how you are. Stop faking it and ask yourself if you are faking it. If you're feeling unfulfilled, do you even know who you are and do you even know what you want? Like, do you genuinely? And if you don't, have a look at that and ask yourself, okay, who do I want to be? Who am I really now? And let yourself have fun. Let yourself be silly. Let yourself frolic. I love the word frolic. I think it's so fun. Let yourself be a kid and don't take life too seriously. And I think that's the biggest lesson I've had in the past couple of years is just have fucking fun. People don't really care that much. You shouldn't care that much and just have a good time because we're here for a short time and it should be a fun one. This book, like I said at the beginning, I really enjoyed it. Sorry, you can probably hear me flicking through it. It is, it says in the front, the ultimate seeker's guide for those brave enough to free their true north and take their power back. I would I say it's the most life-changing book I've ever read. I don't know, but I would say it's been really great for actually not beating around the bush, assessing the behaviours in my life that don't actually serve me and reminding myself that like it's okay to feel like it's okay to process things it's okay to feel sad sometimes it's okay to be disappointed sometimes but to use that as fuel and to learn from it rather than just to be sad so I think I'll do an Instagram post like properly summoning everything up but like it's if you're standing in your own way you have to get out of it if you really want to be truly happy and fulfilled in life. And I really think that's like the overarching message throughout this entire book is get out of your own way. Like you are the mountain, climb it, learn yourself, appreciate yourself, learn from yourself. And then you'll go on to live a really long, happy, beautiful, fulfilled life, hopefully. And I think I'm going to end it there. It's funny because this is the last chapter and also the shortest episode I think I've done in regards to this book. So thank you for listening. There are many other episodes to listen back on if you want to uh, 
um, review the book a little bit more. And like I said, I'll probably do an Instagram post kind of really going into what I think about it. Sometimes I find it easier to like write things down um, in order to process them. But I really enjoyed it. I'm so glad I read it. I'm really proud of myself for actually finishing month one of the book club and in time as well. It's the 31st of January today. Tomorrow we're doing Fuck Being Humble. We're starting Fuck Being Humble by Stephanie Sword Williams, which I'm excited for. And I've set up the Geneva chat, so I'm going to leave that link from tomorrow's episode in the show notes. Thank you as always. Get out of your own way, bitch. And I will speak to you soon. Bye.